in the world of freedom. Mr. Gorbachev, open this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Ich bin ein Berliner. This is Radio Goethe Magazine with Arndt Peltner. News and information from the heart of Europe. Hello and welcome to Radio Goethe Magazine. I'm Arndt Peltner. In today's program we talk about film, children's movies that is. So stay tuned. But first, the news. Radio Goethe Magazine. The news with Nina Paula. Köln. UNICEF Germany has lost its charity status for bad practice. The Central German Institute for Social Questions has withdrawn its endorsement. The step came after UNICEF Germany had repeatedly and falsely claimed it did not pay commission fees to individuals who helped organize large donations. UNICEF did in fact pay such fees in the year since 2005. UNICEF Germany has been docked for months by media reports about lack of transparency and wasteful spending within the charity. In an official statement, the charity organization said, We are already trying to learn from our mistakes and restructure the way we work. In general, UNICEF works carefully and responsibly. Chemnitz German treasure hunters claim that they have found the so-called Amber Room. The 18th century chamber decoration was stolen by the Nazis from the Soviet Union in World War II. The discovery of an estimated two tons of gold was made when electromagnetic pulse measurements located the man-made cavern 20 meters underground near the village of Deutsch Neudorf in Saxony near the Czech border. The amber room, made of amber panels backed with gold leaf, was a donation by precious King Friedrich Wilhelm I to Russian Tsar Peter the Great in the beginning of the 18th century. It disappeared in 1945. New York The German rock band Tokyo Hotel conquers the USA. The band from Magdeburg in eastern Germany did its first concert in New York City in front of over 1000 people. The main phenomena about the group is that the CD is not even published in the US yet. But they have already a lot of fans in the US who can sing along with the band their German lyrics. Bill, Tom, Gustav and Georg started their career in Germany in 2005 with the song Durch den Monsun. Nürnberg. Two red pandas have been found dead in their enclosure at Nürnberg Zoo, home to polar bear cup snowflake. The animal stomachs had been slit open with a sharp object. The city has called in police to investigate. They have started their inquiries and the state prosecutor's office has been informed. In early January, the zoo faced a storm of criticism after a polar bear ate her two cups. The tragedy prompted the zoo to hand rear its last remaining cup, Snowflake, who is enjoying growing fame and now weighing more than six kilos. Meanwhile, the Berlin Zoo declared that Knut earned about 5 million euros for the zoo last year. The famous Berlin polar bear attracted an extra 500,000 visitors. Most of the profit came from higher ticket sales, but the sale of merchandise such as Knut-shaped marshmallows, cuddly toys, games, costume jewelry and even a porcelain figurine amounted to 750,000 euros. 
And of course, Knut wasn't just a money spinner. He also generated huge public interest in polar bears and the threat posed by global warming to their Arctic habitat. And so does Snowflake. Green360 has a noble cause. It tries to, and I quote, promote tolerance, understanding and gentle curiosity through making the world's languages, cultures and stories accessible to children and youth through international cinema. Yes, international movies for children, a cinematic world that is hardly unknown over here. Katie Kavanagh is the artistic director of Screen360. I recently talked to her about film and what Screen360 is all about. Well, first of all, it's a touring program, a biannual touring program of international films um, that I curate mainly from the Berlin Film Festival's, uh, what was known as the Kinderfilm Fest, is now known as Generation, Generation. And, uh, and then also these films come to me uh, by recommendation, things I see at other film festivals and, and things I hear about throughout the year and uh, that I feel are um, particularly uh, relative to what's happening in the world and offer a child um, a gentle uh, perspective of what's happening in the world and something that is made for them so that they can understand, understand what's going on in the world currently and in the past and uh, of course then offering them ideas for creating uh, their own ideas of the future. But what was the initial interest in children's movies for you? Ah, okay. In uh, 1993 I went with uh, Henry Rosenthal and Corolla Anderson and their family as the producers of John Jost's uh, All the Vermeers in New York to the Berlin Alley and uh, I was in charge of the children for part of the time and we discovered the Kinderfilm Fest together and uh, I was so taken by it, uh, a 900 seat theater, the Zoopalast in the center of Berlin, um, full of children ad and adults, journalists and people from the festival, all there interested in international films pro programmable for children. And uh, one of the films, uh, the, I saw the first Iranian film I'd ever seen there. Afterwards, I had a conversation with the director. Of course, it was translated through uh, an English to German translator and then German to Farsi translator. And there were, so there were four people engaged in this conversation already. But more importantly, this was happening for children as well. Children were engaged in a very important exchange of language, culture, geography, everything that came to them through this film. And the theater was so silent and calm as they were watching, 900 seats full every day for each one of these programs, which spanned 10 days of the Berlin Film Festival. And um, I thought, you know, why doesn't this happen in America? So I um, went 
to my bosses at the time at the Mill Valley Film Festival, Mark Fishkin and Zoe Elton, and asked them if I could do a program. And they were there in Berlin. We met in Berlin. We talked about it. And so in 1993, I did my first children's program at the Mill Valley Film Festival and uh, brought a film from that program at the Kinder Film Fest uh, from Turkmenistan called Little Angel Make a Joy. And uh, the producer slash representative of the film came from uh, Ashgabat in Turkmenistan to the film festival to be with the film. Uh, it was by Usman Saparov, that film. And uh, so um, there, American kids were having the experience that I saw the Berliner kids having, seeing a film in its original language and having the subtitles simultaneously translated so that they could understand them. A little unusual for adults to have someone talking while the film is going, other than the dialogue. But it works perfectly. It's worked perfectly in Berlin for 28 years. And uh, it's the model that's been used by children's film festivals all over the world. So that's why I started. And in and, and Mill Valley, I started to, did 93 and then went to Chicago in 94, which is the uh, most uh, established children's film festival, international children's film festival in America, the Chicago Children's International Film Festival. And then we reestablished or more formalized the film festival at the Mill Valley Film Festival and called it the Children's Film Fest, also after the Berlin Kinder Film Fest. How did people react when you wanted to bring children's movies over here? The responses were, <laughs> in large part, what children's film market in America? You mean Disney? Oh, well, yeah, <laughs> Disney is the children's film market. Interesting that, um, you know, that was the, the common answer. And the other responses I'd been getting from foreign filmmakers was that, yeah, Disney had uh, monopolized the best time slots at theaters and the audiences for the most part, so um, they really couldn't get anything in. Uh, and so, and, and not many people tried. And so that's what I recognized through the Berlin Film Festival was that there wasn't a lot of American participation. Uh, I'd also looked back uh, through the years of program guides uh, at the Kinder Film Fest. Um, director Renata Zilla, uh, whom I met the first time in 1993, was very helpful in my research. And um, I found that there were two American, no, one American short and one American feature uh, that, and, and the American feature was called Kidco, uh, that won an award, and, um, and then it, it was about kids running a business, and uh, Lee Volman, who was the head of the UNICEF prize jury at that point, stood up and um, rejected it because it was about capitalism, which is really interesting. And, and uh, certainly, you know, we wouldn't really think about that, the making of kids' film in America. But in comparison, yeah, there it, it shows up. So anyway, there really hasn't been a lot of American participation, either in films made, uh, programmers present. I'm still often the only American there. Now maybe there's one or two other Americans who, who come to the Berlin Film Festival. But you know, it's a major film Olympic event. 
and it's really surprising. What do you think Americans just think of Disney when they talk about children's movies? Well, it's, it's a big question that I'm just starting to chip away at. One reason there's not a lot of participation, say, in Berlin, is that filmmakers don't know about it. Okay, so simple, genuine ignorance. Secondly, if they're a big company, they don't care about it. Their films don't need to show before a jury or before a, a more discerning audience. Third of all, th their films just don't make the grade and so they don't um, get shown in the program uh, at the Berlin Alley. All of those are quite possibly true. And, and finally, fourth, they're just not being made in America. So Catapult Productions and Screen 360, it's project to, um, it's an exhibition project of these films, is looking at all four of those reasons and trying to remedy them as much as we can with a, a single companies and a single person really directing it. So by bringing in these international films, we hope to not only create a larger audience demanding a greater exchange of international cinema or international stories about children and childhood told through cinema, but also to encourage other filmmakers to make them, to make independent films about American childhood so that they do compete around the world and so that there is a greater exchange. Right now it's pretty unidirectional. You're listening to Radio Goethe Magazine. Today's interview is with Katie Kavanagh, Artistic Director of Screen 360, an organization promoting understanding through international children's movies. Katie, America is the country of entertainment. Maybe kids over here are not bored and don't need other children's movies. Good question, or good statement. Why is entertainment only to use when you're bored? Entertainment also is informational and it can be enriching. I think the exchange of stories is really what we're talking about and seeing films from around the world. One of the statements in our mission statement is to uh, make these films accessible so that children meet their peers around the world. A child in Berlin, a child in Moscow, a child in New Delhi, child in you know, the surrounds of those places and a kid in San Francisco or a kid in Portland, Oregon all see the same film, they're from the same generation. They have that in common now. They have a lot of other things but they have at least a starting point. And the beautiful and simple thing about that is you're not only looking at the generation of Americans but you're also considering 
a whole generation of children, say, born in 1985 or born in 1963 or in, in 1995, they are all connected by being born at the same time in the same world and are in the world. Now, I often take that thinking to a, a, a greater degree, the other degree of the spectrum, and think, well, then am I promoting pure globalization? Well, of art and culture? Yeah, maybe. If there were a greater flow of art and culture in the world, I think, yeah, it would be a, a, a more harmonious place. But we have PBS here that picks up sometimes international movies, but I've never seen international children's movies on PBS. Why is that? Yeah, I, I, I asked that too, and I also posed it to, to PBS. Uh, for instance, Swedish station, and, and language is the answer. Um, Swedish television shows international broadcasts with subtitles, or an opportunity to change to another channel and get dubbing. It's about cost, production cost, and, but language is it. If, if we wanted to make, to add more bilingual stations or bilingualism into television programming, we could. We could. It's just, it's about cost. We could develop the audience. We've certainly developed an audience for so many other things. But it's just about encouraging it and showing that it's possible by looking at other countries. Here again, the exchange, and also part of what I'm doing, is to look at how countries are providing for their, their coming generations at the beginning. You know, I, I look at, I even hesitate sometimes to use the word children, but it's popularly recognized. I like to think of children as a point on the timeline of development. And we're citizens. And so if we focus, like Scandinavian countries do, on citizenship in early stages, then we're going to have a healthy citizenry later on once they develop. And uh, I believe we, if we implant images of um, stories that uh, offer us, you know, expansive food for imagination and um, understanding of the rest of the world, then those are planted in our foundation and continue to enrich us throughout our lives. And they open the window for for language, the first layers of language exposure, uh, first inkling of curiosity for travel or study abroad, I think come very, very early, can come very early if it's planted early. I think what is interesting is the difference how people over here and in Germany or Europe talk about children's movies, what children can and should see and what not. Um, I happen to subscribe to a set of ten principles set forth by Jule uh, Hjort Jensen at the Danish Film Institute. And I have a close relationship with the Danish Film Institute and um, along with the Berlin Kinderfilm Fest and my mentor Renata Zilla who um, 
really shepherded, mothered <laughs> the, the Kinder Film Fest for 18 years. Um, I looked to them for my answers. And, and um, one of the things Ulla says is that you can show children anything, any subject. It's how you tell them. And uh, I agree with that. And the challenges and, and what can be so much fun and rewarding about making films for young audiences at that stage of development where now they can't take so much. Because we have to remember, we're laying out a foundation that's going to stay with this human being all of their lives. Now that's not to say that we only want to give them fantasy worlds and sugar-coated things. They're seeing reality. Why not see the reality in other parts of the world? One of the films uh, that I can talk about is, uh, well, A Time for Drunken Horses is another, uh, by director Gobadi, um, and uh, Turtles Can Fly. Tough, tough, tough film. Uh, shot in a refugee camp, Kurdish refugee camp, uh, on the Iraq, Iran, or uh, Afghani border. And kids are playing with artillery shells as toys. You know, and not only are these refugee camps a storehouse for people, but they're also a storehouse for uh, remains of missiles and, and weaponry and such. And um, so these kids are tough because they've been through the war. They've, I mean, when we talk about peers around from around the world, these kids have lost footing with their peers from around the world. But what we see is a child's story. It's harsh to take. It's harsh, it's harsh for adults to see, to see a little girl and a boy, a boy with no arms because he, to make money to survive, they um, dig up landmines and present them to authorities, whoever is paying them for the landmines that they bring in. This little boy lost both of his arms. I mean, he and his sister are on their own and they've got a baby with them and it turns out that the baby is the result of the girl's rape, and she's maybe 13 years old. A harsh, harsh, harsh reality. But this was shown at the Berlin Kinderfilm Fest. But where can you see that over here? You can't. Yeah, not all parents are going to be like that. But what you have is this reality, and you have a population of people who have been raised by Disney. And so in order for Screen 360 to really work, we've got to peel the film of Disney off our eyes, or at least off of one eye, so that we can see it. And I, I, I think Disney's products serve a lovely place. And, and I will never say no more Disney, because it deserves to have a place in the exhibition. But the other films also deserve to have a place in the exhibition, too. Reality, I mean, whenever we, we suspend reality whenever we project it on screen a bit anyway. And it also allows an opportunity to be guided 
So the children who are watching films like this are going to need guidance, sure, but they're also going to have a sense of the rest of the world and, you know, may not end up <laughs> Barbie doll toting or machine toy gun toting. Maybe they'd be interested in, you know, a, a wooden toy from Germany or, uh, you know, another story, Pippi Longstrom or something like this, which did come to the U.S. And, uh, and that's also not to say that big studios have not recognized what else is going on in the rest of the world. They do. But they buy it and remake it. And uh, often, you know, often done poorly. You know, leave, leave original art alone. That's the tough thing about movies and music. Sometimes they're done better, but oftentimes they're not. You can find this and other shows on our website, radiogoethe.org. Thanks for listening to Radio Goethe magazine. I'm Arndt Peltner. Wir machen uns die Welt.